2: As you may know, the United States is currently experiencing a nationwide revitalization of the Black Lives Matter movement, and we here at Buzz Broadway have been called to anti-racism work. For the foreseeable future, we will be highlighting organizations and charities committed to combating systemic racism towards Black, Indigenous, people of color in the United States.
3: This week, we'd like to tell you a little bit about Broadway for Racial Justice, Brandon Michael Nays is a Black New York City-based artist and NYU alumnus. You may know him from the National Tour of Cats or his exceptional career at prestigious regional theaters across the country. Brandon founded Broadway for Racial Justice to provide immediate resources, assistance, and amplification to Black Indigenous people of color in the Broadway and theatrical community at large and to create safe spaces in the industry for creativity and artistry to thrive.
2: When you donate to Broadway for Racial Justice, your funds pool directly into their Emergency Assistance Fund, which aids black indigenous artists of color, regardless of union affiliation. Please donate today. You can visit their website at broadwayforracialjustice.org or through the Buzzed Broadway Instagram. Again, you can visit their website at broadwayforracialjustice.org. On with the show.
3: Welcome to the Buzz Broadway Podcast. I'm Amanda Harrington.
2: And I'm Sam St. Jean. Each week, with the help of cast albums, film adaptations, and our own memories, we reminisce and relive some of our favorite Broadway
3: musicals. Come listen to Two Besties, Who's Their Way Down the Great White Way, on, on Buzz, Buzz Broadway. Broadway. You're
2: lost and alone, and you feel like you need a little lift. When the
3: times are tough, and your day has gone adrift, you,
2: you can, can always press, press play, play on Buzzed Broadway. Broadway. We've got the laughs. for
3: when you're blue.
1: Buzzed Broadway. Broadway. Pour a drink. I need your
3: shoe. So,
2: so just
1: press, press play, play today. today.
3: Five, six, seven, eight. Welcome back.
2: Well, here we are, folks. <laughs>
3: What was that? Did you live like in welcome? living
2: color from recording. Technicolor
3: so Studios.
2: At. Is that trademarked?
3: I don't think Technicolor Studios is a <laughs> real thing.
2: <laughs> I I don't think it is either.
3: I think Technicolor was a thing before. <laughs>
2: All right, let's uh let's cut to the chase here. Hi Amanda.
3: Hi Sam. I can't wait to talk about one of my favorite shows. You should. What tell show him. are we
2: talking about today? No, I'm gonna I... tell him.
3: Yeah, because I always tell them.
2: We are talking about Susicle the Musical. This is the first time in Buzz Broadway history that we are talking about a show that we have not both done.
3: Bum, bum, bum.
2: I have, in fact, seen you in this show, but I have not been in it myself.
3: Well, I've been in it enough times for both of us. So You have, that's true. don't you worry.
2: Two times, or did you do it once before high school?
3: No, I've only been in it Twice. Twice. But I feel like
2: that's actually, like, an average track record for Susical I feel like the people that I know that have been in Seussical have usually done it more than one time.
3: Yeah, you're, like, one of the only people I know who has not been in Susical.
2: Which is shocking, because I think I'd be pretty good in it, actually.
3: I think you'd be pretty decent. Thank yeah. you so
2: <laughs> much. Wow. Thank you so
3: much. I love that. Um, So, let's just kick it off with um by telling everyone what we're drinking, because... We're drinking that some good cool drinks great.
2: tonight. We are. We're both drinking tequila. I think, like, we got some spring weather up in New England uh, the last couple days, and then it snowed today.
3: And then it was sunny again. What
2: the f- And then it was sunny again. We had, like, a, such a weird... F- there was... I was washing dishes, and I have a sink behind my window, and I was washing the dishes, and it was, like, dark and gloomy, and, like, snow was flying everywhere. And then I finished washing, like, a plate, and I looked up, and there was no snow, and it was sunny. And I... I Where do we live? I was overwhelmed.
3: Thank you, Twenty. But anyway...
2: We had some nice spring weather, and so I bought some tequila at the liquor store, and I've been drinking some tequila drinks lately. So tonight I have a giant Paloma because we've been getting some feedback that I'm not getting drunk enough.
3: Um, Most of that feedback is from me. <laughs> so
2: I have poured myself a mason jar sized, and not like a tiny like smoothie mason jar, like a big standard mason jar, like a pickling jar sized Paloma.
3: Ah, uh, yeah.
2: And what are you drinking?
3: I am drinking so okay last weekend was my roommate's birthday and my roommate loves tequila. So for her birthday I made four different tequila recipe drinks. And the first one I made is the best. It is a blue cucumber margarita.
2: What's the blue part? I don't know. Uh, okay, <laughs> is it <laughs> is the is the drink colored blue? No, I can't it, see you. Where are you? It's
3: it's green. Um, okay. There's nothing blue about it.
2: Did you just name it the blue cucumber margarita no, that's or what was it was named?
3: I named it after. Did you like
2: forget to put in blue curacao or something?
3: No, no. There, there's nothing okay. blue in it. I named okay. it. I named every drink after one of Courtney's favorite things. That's my roommate. Shout out. Um, She loves dogs, so I named this drink. Anything is possible.
2: Almost a uh, uh, shout out to the show that we're talking about today.
3: When are there? Oh my God, you're right. Anything's possible. It's possible. Wow. Okay, so let's rewind. Hey guys, my name's Amanda, and I'm drinking a themed drink tonight. Uh. <laughs> it's called Anything's Possible.
2: <laughs> All right. What do you say we get right into it?
3: Okay. Tell me what the show's about, even though you don't I'll... gotta tell me.
2: Right. Seussical, now one of the most performed shows in America. Seussical is a fantastical, magical, musical extravaganza. Tony winners Lynn Ahrens and Stephen Flaherty have lovingly brought to life all of our favorite Dr. Seuss characters who transport us from the Jungle of Newell to the Circus Margircus to the invisible world of the Who's. The Cat in the Hat tells the story of Horton, an elephant who discovers a speck of dust that contains the Who's, including Jojo, a Who Mm -hmm. child Sent Mm -hmm. off to military school for thinking too many thinks. What a huge uh, metaphor there. Right? Horton faces a double challenge. Not only must he protect the Who's from a world of naysayers and dangers, but he must guard an abandoned egg left in his care by the irresponsible Maisie LaBird. Although Horton faces ridicule, danger, kidnapping, and a trial, the intrepid Gertrude McFuzz never loses faith in him. Ultimately, the powers of friendship, loyalty, family, and community are challenged and emerge triumphant. That is probably the best. The longest. (laughs) No, no. Yes, the longest. Sure. But we all know that I'm not one that's short of breath. Um, (sighs) (laughs) That's like a really, really great way to frame this show. A show that, to be honest with you, doesn't have a ton of structure to it. A ton of strong structure, I should say. A ton of like structural integrity. Um, that's a really great way to frame the show it really boils it down to like what it really truly means
3: is that MTI?
2: you better believe it baby
3: I find it odd that they didn't mention the star character though Mrs. Mayor. so I don't know <laughs> I don't know how much I love it
2: I can't wait to get into all of your Mrs. Mayor lore I'm lo- very much looking forward to it um, i played like
3: seven characters in the show
2: in addition to Mrs. Mayor, you didn't just play Mrs. Mayer
3: the first time I played Gertrude slash the bearded lady
2: That's right at the at the circus. I forgot about that. I howled from the front row of our high Thank school Thank you auditorium. so much. It's
3: one of my favorite moments. Do you remember and that? Then,
2: do you remember me seeing the show? We'll talk about that. I guess we'll talk about that later.
3: Yes, because when you go and see shows that you know people in, you howl like a fucking hyena.
2: My friends are funny. I like I just I, I do
3: too. Them. You know that when you and I go see shows together everyone's like, "Oh, Amanda Amanda and then Samer here. here. <laughs> exactly. We
2: just said that in unison, and we're on a delay because we're skyping with each, we're, we're video chatting with each other, but we said it in unison. Hashtag
3: #besties.
2: So so it'll be in unison again when we uh when we when you edit this in post. I can't wait for that.
3: And then I also played Mrs. Mayor slash poacher.
2: Poacher. Oh, the um, the elephant poacher. Yeah. <laughs> great. 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 Great.
3: I really feel like it's important to name those characters. Okay. Stephen Flaherty and Lynn Aaron. I'm always going to say her name wrong. Aaron. Aaron's. There you go. Aaron's. I don't know why I want to say, like, Aarons, because that's how it's spelled. Me neither. Um, I love them, because they wrote some of my fave musicals. Uh, Stephen Flaherty, born 1960. Lynn Aaron's, born 1948. I'm just going to talk about their collaboration, because they're... I don't want to be rude, but they're... Lives weren't that interesting to document, so...
2: I'm okay with that.
3: <laughs> so I'm just really going to talk about their collaboration. <laughs> Sounds They good. met in 1982. Their first Broadway musical they wrote together was Once on this Island in oh, 1990. So good. Right? And they did other things before that. Like, have you ever heard of that kid show, The Emperor's New Clothes? Of course. Of course. That was their first little, little dinghy together. Love that. Um... But together they wrote some biggies, Ragtime, Ugh. an amazing show, A Man of No Importance,
2: another a special fantastic musical,
3: show near and dear to my heart, oh, another, another crowd favorite, Rocky the Musical.
2: <laughs> let's, uh, let's, uh, let's just keep moving.
3: Let's keep going. Um, the movie Anastasia. <laughs> right. Um, which eventually turned into a Broadway musical, and they're currently working on a show together called Knoxville, which I didn't really find any information about, but... Maybe we'll see it someday when this pandemic is over.
2: They just posted the casting uh, breakdown for Knoxville on Playbill.com. dot so Oh, you're for cool! A, if you're looking for a job, go submit for. Are you a going Knoxville.
3: to audition? Probably not. Do you fit anything? Oh,
2: okay. <laughs> I think it's like a I think it's like a actor musician, uh, musical. So I, I'd have to play an instrument.
3: Uh, if I remember correctly, you play euphonium. So <laughs> I feel like you're right for this show. <laughs> you could totally do it. Anyways, um, together, they have two Tony Awards, one Olivier Award, and one Drama Desk Award. Not a lot, but, you know, they're still young. Well, they're not that young, but they're still writing. (laughs) They're still friends. Something I also want to point out about Lynn, another reason why I love her so much, I don't know if you know this, she wrote a lot of songs for Schoolhouse Rock. Yes. Of course you knew it. You ding dong. I'm also um, looking at her
2: Wikipedia page right now, so. Y-
3: you cheater! Get off her of Wikipedia <laughs> page and listen to my story. I'm listening. She her The first one she wrote, and she sang it, was the preamble. I yes. still remember, because I was in Schoolhouse Rock Live junior when I was in eighth grade, and I still remember the sign language to the preamble. Just
2: you want to showcase a little bit of that for me right now?
3: Yeah. Everyone on our podcast is going to love listening to my <laughs> sign language.
2: <laughs> How's it going? What do you think, everyone? Are you not
3: watching me do it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you are. Okay. Anyways, she also wrote Interplanet Janet, The Great American Melting Pot, and another great one, A Noun Is A Person, Place, or Thing. Mm. Thank you, Lynn and Stephen. Uh, by the way, Flaherty was the composer. And Lynn Ahrens wrote um, the lyrics and he, and she's the librettist.
2: I love that. That's all I got to say on that. They really do have like kind of a, their sound has been built into like American culture in terms of films that we see, or, you know, obviously their musicals are well known in the theater community, but you hear their music and it sounds oddly familiar for some reason. And it's because it's kind of, it, it pops up every so often in our, in our lives.
3: Well, and I learned, and I forgot to write this down, so some of the information might be incorrect, but Stephen Flaherty used to play ragtime music for something when he was in college, um, which helped him eventually when they wrote the musical Ragtime. What a great show. We'll have to put that
2: on our list for someday. Maybe season two, if everyone sticks around for long enough, maybe we'll do a ragtime episode season two.
3: Guys, stick around, because season two, we're going to hit shows that we haven't been in, and there's some good shows we haven't been in. Like there's uh, yeah. <laughs> Just believe a it few. or not, we have, we have not been in Wicked.
2: <laughs> I know you would think at this point, Amanda <laughs> and I both would both have swapped in to have play Elphaba, Elphaba at some point, right? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Ironically, right. we have both not been in Hamilton. Anyways, let's
2: let's hop into how this show did on Broadway because I have a fair amount to say about this because this is actually one of the first shows that we have talked about that hasn't done incredibly successfully.
3: Okay. Every time you finish the sentence, though, you have to take a sip of your drink.
2: I've been drinking it. Don't don't you worry. Oh, you,
3: you're doing well. Okay. Well, while you get into your nitty gritty, I'll be over here drinking my blue cucumber margaritas. Sounds
2: great. Maybe find a way to add some blue in there. Just get some blue food dye or something.
3: Maybe fuck off. Okay, go. <laughs>
2: So, when the show was in early development, they actually brought in Monty Python's Eric Idol to be one of the first who read for The Cat and the Hat. He did a lot of uh, groundwork in the very beginning in developing certain parts of the show, along with the writers, with Aarons and Flaherty. And he, created a, he helped create a lot of buzz around the show. He sang the praises of the score, even stating that it could be, the score was so good that it could be something that was performed at Royal Albert Hall, like a Sondheim show or an Andrew Lloyd Webber show. After that first initial reading and the early workshops, they actually did a t- workshop in Toronto in 1999 with Andrea Martin as the cat, which I think is yeah kind of a shocking... I can't imagine what the show would look like if they had developed it around Andrea Martin as the cat in the hat. Obviously, she's a, an incredibly talented comedian, but I'd be interested to see how different the show would be with her at the helm.
3: Wait, what is she?
2: Andrea Martin. She's just a famed Broadway actress. She did, like... um. Uh, Oklahoma. She, wait, she did... but what's
3: that? No, what did you say? That um she's a what? Comedian. Comedian?
2: Yeah, comedian, like a female comedian.
3: You're putting the emphasis on the an.
2: Yeah, because it's spelled C O M E D I E N N E.
3: What? Have you never that's s- a female comedian?
2: Have you never seen that? No. Comedian, like Carol Burnett, a comedian.
3: I've literally never...
2: You could say comedian. It's like actor or actress. Like, you can call an actress an actor.
3: I just thought you were being a bougie actor, being like, all." Well,
2: that's how it's spelled.
3: But you weren't. Okay, great. <laughs> Keep going. So sorry to interrupt. <laughs> Andrew Martin, uh, if, you're, if you're
2: listening, we really love your work.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. I love all comedians. <laughs>
2: So after those initial developments and workshops, there was actually a lot of hype around this show. People were suggesting that it could actually be the next Lion King, attracting people to come to New York from what? all over the globe. Yes. Shut people, up. Were, people were excited for Seussical the Musical. I mean, Dr. Seuss was, is and was such a staple in all of our lives growing up. Everybody reads Green Eggs for and sure. Ham. Everybody reads The Cat in the Hat. Everybody reads- All the
3: things you can think.
2: Exactly. So there was so much hype generated around finally bringing Seussical to the stage. It actually created a bidding war between all these different Broadway producers who wanted to take ownership of the show. Eventually, the show wound up in the hands of good old Barry and Fran Weisler, um, who had just produced the very successful revivals of Greece in 1994. If, you, if you're listening to the pod, we just talked about that production. And they also produced the 1996 uh, revival of Chicago, starring Anne Ranking and B.B. Newworth, which Ooh. obviously has done very well as it's still running today, the longest running American musical.
3: Good job, Chicago.
2: <laughs> so the show winds up in the hands of the Weislers. It opens on November 21st, 2000, at the Richard Rogers Theater, to unanimously negative reviews. What? <clears throat> the show did not do well on Broadway at all. And some of that, some of the that, some of that negative buzz started developing when they did their tryout in Boston the year before, or earlier in two thousand, like late ninety nine, early two thousand, uh, early two thousand. So people from Boston were seeing the show, reporting back to New York saying, we're really not loving it. It's not doing it for us. There's something missing. It's just not, something's not clicking. And that bad- that- Something
3: is missing from their souls.
2: <laughs> so the, that, those that kind of negative hearsay followed them back to New York, the show opens. It really does not receive good critique from New York audiences. The show attempted some stunt casting throughout their run. And brought in Rosie O'Donnell for about a month. They ousted David Shiner. Uh, poor guy. But they brought in Rosie. And they, it was actually a successful move by the producers. They did see an increase in ticket sales with Rosie at the helm of the show. Kathy Rigby and pop star Aaron Carter closed out yeah, the run.
3: Yeah, he did. <laughs> they well, brought the two Aaron of Carter them was in. the first they brought concert the t- I ever saw.
2: You saw Aaron Carter in concert?
3: First concert I ever saw changed my life.
2: Wow. I can't name... I can only name one Aaron Carter song, and it's Aaron's Party.
3: I Want Candy? That
2: is not his song. That's a, that's a 90s song that he took That's over. How
3: I Beat Shaq?
2: Okay, I do know that's How I Beat Shaq.
3: <laughs> My God, there's so many slaps.
2: <laughs> so they they tried to pull the show up by its bootstraps several different times, and unfortunately, after 198 performances, Seussicle closed on May 20th, 2001, Oh my financial God, we're at the reunion. financial losses were in est. We've passed the reunion. What reunion?
3: May twentieth.
2: Oh 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 oh! oh. The I thought you meant like reunion. I thought you meant like I thought you meant like you know how shows do like a ten year reunion or like a twenty fifth anniversary.
3: <laughs> yeah. I was like, it's definitely been more than ten
2: years since they closed.
3: I meant like the anniversary of its failure
2: <laughs> of the death. Yeah, yeah 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 of the death of Susan.
3: <laughs> <Cole>. <laughs> R I P.
2: So, producers spent and. Very large... Not a, not a historically large sum of money, but the financial losses were an estimated $11 million, which is one of the worst Broadway <gasps> flops of all time.
3: Oh, my definitely God! Not,
2: definitely not the worst, but they did lose $11 million after they, they there was no way for them to recoup with only 198 performances. So while we're here talking about this, I actually want to talk about, like, what could have gone wrong, like, why the show did not do well. Okay. And I think the first... <laughs> Predicament that the show got themselves into was they tried to put too much into too small of a time. If you think about the yeah. catalog of yeah. Dr. Seuss' work, there is so much. He has written so many books. There are so many characters and personalities that can be fit into a two-hour and 15-minute musical. And I think they just tried to do too much. The show originally had a mini-musical within it that was the entire story of the Lorax. It added wow. about twenty-five minutes to the runtime of the show, and
3: it's already not a short show.
2: It's not, and there are moments in Act Two where, admittedly, it does lag.
3: Yeah, there's too many. There's too many. I mean, but when you think about the show, there's not that many slow songs. mm mm But there are some moments in Act Two that.
2: It's also just the amount of characters, the amount of personalities that I think are tried to uh, be introduced. Yeah. I think a successful show to, can introduce, say. like, maybe one, maybe two new characters in act two. Like, a successful musical should only introduce one, maybe two mm. new characters at the most. Okay. And I think that Susical adds too many too late. Yeah. So that, that little Lorax musical was cut, obviously, and is now actually a separate licensable musical that you can get from, I think, MTI as like a TYA show, which I think is oh pretty funny. God. There was enough material in that in the things that they cut out of Susicle to make an entirely separate musical. Mm-hmm. So like I said, the Gossip in Boston really followed them into their New York run. That's part of why the show didn't do well. There was also a lot of staffing changes throughout the show, a lot of changes in the creative team. Catherine Zuber was famed... Theatrical costume designer Catherine Zuber was actually brought in to costume the show originally. She was fired somewhere in between the Toronto workshop, the Boston run and the New York production and replaced with William Ivy Long. And Frank uh, Galati was actually replaced by the choreographer's brother. Choreographer was Kathleen Marshall, famed Broadway choreographer. So her repla- uh, the replacement for the director was her brother, Rob. Frank Galati Here's was so still. I
3: draw a graph for me.
2: Of all these, of all these cuts, or all of the family yep. members. All the,
3: fa-
2: all the. Cuts. <coughs> sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you um follow our Instagram, you. be on the lookout for our uh, our spider.
3: You, you're actually gonna do it? No, 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 no.
2: <laughs> I haven't thought of the term spider web though in a very long time. That's we what's that's how we used to brainstorm. Remember brainstorming yeah, I teach essays middle
3: school.
2: Anyway, I do. Enough with uh K through twelve education. We'll get to that later. So I also just found an inconsistent commitment with some of the. Design choices. There are set pieces that are so lavish, so over the top, the Circus McGurkis unit, some of the like the bathtub unit, things that are just like so huge and so dramatic. And then there's pieces of this the design that are so simplistic. In the original Catherine Zuber designs for Horton, he had these giant ears. Obviously, that was mm-hmm. downsized for William Ivy Long's interpretation of the design. But some of that, because there were pieces of Catherine Zuber's influence with pieces of William Ivy Long's influence. There were things that just mismatched. They fired the scenic designer at one point too and brought in somebody new. So those things just didn't add up for me. And the show is also based on two main Dr. Seuss books in regards to the plot. It starts with Horton Hears a Who, and Act Two is based on Horton hatches an egg. But those stories are so short that they can't successfully get you through a two-hour and 30-minute musical so they had to obviously fill in the story with all the other dr seuss characters and it just kind of felt like this big patchwork quilt of mismatched dr seuss lore i think that's part of why the show didn't do incredibly well is that it just lacked refinement and concentration
3: i never thought any of that <laughs> <laughs> just gonna be honest like I, I understand I, that i, get it. I think I now think... that you're saying it i get it
2: Definitely. I don't think one is better than the other, but I do think if you think about what your interpretation of the show would be versus a New York theater goer who is going to see other shows that are opening around this time, something like You're in Town comes to mind, which has a very unique and intricate plot with very specific details, a show like Thoroughly Modern Millie, even a show like Ragtime, that was 1999, right? Or a show like Parade that are opening around the same time as this.
3: Yeah, this show, I, I think you're totally right. Like, it might just not be meant for Broadway, but it is the... Per- and I wrote this later on, but it is the perfect educational show.
2: Without a doubt. It is one of MTI's most successful licensable oh. products. They say that this and, show... And, like, I
3: watched... Yeah, I watched an interview with um the creators, and they're like, you can cast as many or as little people in it as you want. Like, you have such a wide range. It's a perfect ensemble show. It's just so good for educating. You're correct. And that's why it's still so successful.
2: Absolutely. Amanda, what do you say we take a quick break and uh, circle back to our listeners in just a few minutes?
3: Yeah, you want to go take a shot at
2: uh, uh, Maybe some more sips of my cocktail.
3: Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, me bees oil. Welcome back.
2: We are back.
3: We just sang some great songs together on our break.
2: I'm taking some more sips of my Paloma.
3: Let's talk about how we got into this show. Okay. Yes, yes,
2: yes, yes, yes. So
3: the cool thing about the show is there's like no recordings or video as I mean. (laughs) So what did you do? I
2: did scrape up. I scraped up a few bootlegs. I, I I think at this point it's quarantine. I'm just gonna cut to the chase and say I've never taken a bootleg. I've never wanted to take a bootleg. I don't believe in taking bootlegs. But much like this might be a controversial opinion, but much like fur, if it already exists, (laughs) why get rid of it?
3: (laughs) Why? Much like fur, like on a dog? No, like fur,
2: like a fur coat or like a piece of fur clothing. I don't think we should make, I don't think we should make any more fur. I don't think we should kill any more animals to turn All right. them into coats.
3: Thanks for coming to Buzz but Broadway. If it already,
2: but if it already exists, why get rid of it?
3: Welcome to Buzz Broadway with Amanda Harrington and Corella DeVille. Moving on.
2: No! Do you not know what I'm getting, <laughs> what do you not know what I'm saying?
3: I think I'm so focused on the fact that you're talking about fur.
2: But it's a good allegory, like. Allegory? Yeah, it's a good, Yeah.
3: You're using big words. Anyways,
2: you're having a, tr- some trouble with the English language today, huh? Comedian, I'm sorry atterbury.
3: that I don't. <gasps> oh, my, my Amazon package has shipped. It just emailed me. All right, all
2: right. Let's uh, let's keep it going. Here.
3: Okay, so you I watched scraped
2: some up I scraped up some bootlegs and I listened to the cast recording.
3: Yeah, I mean, if you didn't watch videos of Aaron Carter singing McGilligan's Pool, then did you really experience it? <laughs>
2: I have to say I did not watch the videos of Aaron Carter because I could not care less.
3: Okay, I'm gonna send them to you. They're so bad. <laughs> it's it's just him like, and he like sings all through his nose. It's just and be people poor, that I read the big books. It's just so bad.
2: Poor Andrew Keenan-Bolger. Andrew, if you're listening, I want to say that you deserved more stage time in this production. Um, and I I, yeah. I don't know what your relationship with Aaron was like, but I just want to say like. You have always been very talented. Well, so,
3: on the in you know. in in the original cast, him and another guy alternated. Correct. So, Aaron Carter well, didn't did come until rem- the end. So,
2: right. I'm just saying, like, if they hadn't kept Aaron in the show, they Andrew should've. would have gotten more stage time.
3: you okay. I I understand what you're saying. So yes. I did the same thing. Actually, it's been it was really nice because, like I said, I've been on the show twice. So yesterday I drove 40 minutes to go somewhere and today i drove 40 minutes to go somewhere so yesterday i listened to the first act sang my heart out as all the characters and then today i did the same thing for act two
2: so happy for you thank
3: you so much i loved it there's nothing better than like a nice long car ride and putting on a cast album
2: Absolutely. you know you know i i have every single day on that i've worked in the last two weeks i have driven home singing waving through a window on repeat <laughs> so I have yes, to I know exactly you, what you mean.
3: This is so off topic, but so yesterday I was watching Ben Platt's live Instagram <laughs> and every two seconds I caught cause he's he's answering questions. Every two seconds I go, Can you mention our new podcast, Buzz Broadway? Can you mention our new podcast? <laughs> he never did.
2: Of course not.
3: I also was like, Oh my god, like I have a friendship similar to you and beanie Feldstein like let's talk about it I asked to be in his live Instagram he said he, he didn't accept it anyways. was he
2: like letting people in
3: no but he was answering people's questions but they were more relevant I tried Love I tried to you. like slip in things about him into my questions anyways I make sure, sure,
2: sure if you're a ce- if you're a celebrity and you're listening to Buzz Broadway put us on your Instagram
3: Cheyenne Jackson it's me I just bought a cameo from me <laughs> We're friends now. You know my name and my mom's name. All right.
2: <laughs> if anyone's listening,
3: uh, if Amanda anyone's listening, a
2: cameo of Cheyenne Jackson.
3: I just said that for
2: her mother's birthday, and
3: mother's Day. You, anyway, it was so sweet. Everybody should download Cameo. It is so cool. All right.
2: So revisiting the show for me, it is fun. I had a good time listening to it. I've had a good time as an audience member at Susical. I can understand why it's so entertaining for families and for children, but re-listening and revisiting the show, it's become more apparent as to why it didn't do so great for New York oh audiences. My
0: God, you're so and I know
2: you disagree wrong. I know you don't understand.
3: <laughs> I think you need to be in but, it. You need to be in it in your adolescence to really get it. I think Sure. I think you're just missing something in your life <laughs> and it's having been a part of this beautiful show
2: as an adolescent.
3: Yeah, I'm really glad everybody's listening sure. to this podcast because I know you've heard Sam talk for about 12 hours. Here's the one where Amanda talks for 12 hours.
2: <laughs> Lay it on me.
3: Um, Here's my potpourri. How good do you think Suzuko would be as a full length feature animated film? Like, I understand that Horton Here's is Who is already a movie, but Suzuko the Musical should be an animated movie. How good would it be? Masking you. Okay, I'm not asking to you questions To be honest, anymore. I don't
2: know. Also, is animated... Like, I just don't love an animated... I think an animated musical should be, like, an hour and a half, maybe an hour 45 okay, tops. if they cut
3: it down. If they took out Alone in the Universes <clears throat> and...
2: No, you have to keep that song. If
3: they took out McGilligan's Pool.
2: <laughs> now now you're to something.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I can others. see what you're getting at. Like 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 a Lion King-esque style animation. Yeah,
3: well didn't they they released um almost like a concept album after Did they? Yeah, I watched an interview and I could be lying. But they released a second album and I think it had the dialogue in it. Cause when I listen to it, I can see the animation. Should I become an animator? I guess so. Is that what I'm getting at?
2: Ditch your grad program now.
3: Uh, my grad program is arts administration. Far from animation.
2: I said ditch your ditch your program. That's oh, I ditch just it.
3: Said. Ditch it. Anyways, what that's one thing I, I needed to say. Oh my god, the more tequila I drink, the harder it is to read my notes. I'm not going to let that <laughs> in the podcast. Also, fun fact. I just wanted to mention this. Did you know they weren't allowed to use the Cat in the Hat and the Grinch? They couldn't use their stories. They were only allowed. They were only allowed to use their characters because they didn't have the rights to them. They had the rights to all the other Doctor Seuss books except for those.
2: Probably because they had been. I bet. I get. I bet you they had been already purchased as films.
3: Maybe that would make sense. Because I
2: think the Grinch movie. I think the Grinch movie came out in two thousand.
3: Which one the, the OG animated or no the... no
2: no 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 the animated one came out like in the seventies. Oh,
3: okay, the Jim Carrey one
2: correct i think that movie came out in 2000 so i I think think that's why they couldn't have a competition with the grinch's story and i bet you because i think the cat in the hat movie with mike myers came out in like 2005 or somewhere around that time so i think i i bet you
3: this didn't the show premiere in 2000
2: this show was in 2000
3: okay so you think that the rights were bought before then though
2: i think so like uh Production company film production companies buy the rights to films like years and years before they ever want to actually produce them. Okay, because they put the script through development. They try to bring actors in to read for the like from a, from a movie's inception to a movie's actual release is like so much time. So I bet that the rights to the Grinch's story and the Cat story had already been. Well, I know that the Grinch's story had already been purchased. Right, but I bet you that that's why they couldn't use any pieces of that story and the Horton I, Hears a Who films or any there. other Horton Hears a Who content. We're not until much later.
3: Um, I bet you that's wrong. Okay. Anyways.
1: <laughs> just playing doubles advocate, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> okay. With the Lucky land Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Just in case the, just in case Hollywood is listening and you're wrong. So okay, so I know that you were in the show, and we're gonna talk all about my moments in the personal experience. Can't wait. I also can't wait. But did you like put things for our categories?
2: I do have cat. I do have a words categories.
3: Okay, cool. Do you want to talk about musical moments?
2: Sounds great. I have three. Here we go.
3: I also have three.
2: My first is, in the great great song, "The Case of the People versus Horton the Elephant." It starts at "As for the dustbuck," and ends with that Oil." Ooh, it's that, that section of music. Back. It's great. It's great. And as for the dustbuck. All I the way through, boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I, just, I don't know why. That part of the music amps me yeah. up. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Second is know? all the character introductions in the opening number.
3: Mm. So
2: this bootleg this bootleg no longer exists on YouTube. I can't find it anywhere. But there was once upon a time a video from the closing performance of Seussical. And the audience was just so hyped. Yeah. They were so excited to be there. And every single time when it starts, think of an elephant up in a tree, think of a person too tiny to see. Every time a character is introduced and that actor was kind of revealed to the audience, the audience lost their minds. They were so excited, they cheered for them. And, and now every time I listen to the score, I feel that feeling of excitement that that final, that that closing night audience had. So I love the little Aww. surprise of, oh, I'm this character, I'm this character. I love that. Uh, my third nominee for Best Musical Moment goes to the bridge of Notice Me Horton. I was just a no one only yesterday. Oh. You showed up and showed me something more?
3: Is that the lyric? You showed up and showed me something more.
2: It's beautiful. That entire song is gorgeous, but something about the bridge and those lyrics is just very meaningful, very sweet.
3: And they're both singing it together at that point, but about completely separate Exactly. Correct. Because Horton is a dillhole.
2: (laughs) Oblivious.
3: doesn't notice Gertrude until she's like, hey, it me. Um, I have three completely different ones. My first one is um, all the mm-hmms in um, "Monkey Around."
2: Mm, okay. I
3: love the Wickersham Brothers. Um, <laughs> we're gonna talk about this later, but I like—I just love the Wickersham Brothers. I think they are one of the most fun characters to play. <laughs> but all of their mm-hmms are so like jazzy and sexy when they sing them. So I feel their bad. music is good. The music is very good. The harmonies, really, in all of Flaherty and Aaron's shows, are beautiful. So, um, also okay. So you know how you just talked about the People versus Court and the Elephant, mm-hmm. starting from, and as for the Dustback, mine is right before that for the criminally insane.
2: Uh, yes, that low note from Yurtle the Turtle.
3: So great. What was I gonna say? What does that remind me of? It has something to do with. We talked about it a couple weeks ago in another podcast. Don't look at your phone. Look at me.
2: I'm not looking at my phone.
3: Baloney. I know you too well. Listen to my music moments. Okay, I don't know what it reminds me of. And then my third one is... And I okay. Think- <laughs> I'm moving. On. Oh! Um, Why do you um, have um, tissues um, 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 on um.
2: your no, no, finger? No, 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 no. It's because they're comfortable. Uh, but we'll hide over there to observe her. Yes! From, from Phantom.
3: Yes, that's it. And I think we talked about this in the Phantom episode where I was like. We did. And as well. Because I what... sang it.
2: I sang it at like 18 anyway.
3: Yeah. My Are third. Those three, were those three? Nope, oh, that was three. two. Here we go. That was two. My third is, and I think it's because I sang this part. Um, the of synch- I'm such a, I'm such a dork is in the opening when they're doing the you think and think and think and think and it's the alto like yes!
2: And think, and you think. know
3: exactly what I'm saying girl. And think and think and think. I love it.
2: It's great. Did you sing that both times?
3: You know I did. Uh, was I an alto. alto? Was I an alto my first time? Probably not. I think I was more sober. I think I did sing alto though because music. But I don't know. Anyways those are my three. Which one do you nominate for your number one?
2: Hmm.
3: Should we just say the People vs. Horton the Elephant from criminally insane on? <laughs> Even though that's sure. not the category.
2: <laughs> that's fine. I don't care.
3: Okay, great. I don't... the
2: latter half. The latter half of of People vs. Horton the Elephant. Just
3: Yurtle the Turtle freaking turning it on.
2: <laughs> Who played Yurtle the Turtle at GHS? Oh,
3: we're gonna talk about it in a little bit. Okay, <laughs> because both your old the turtles I got to be with were fabulous. All Can't right, wait. we're going moving on to best numbers. What were the? Best I only ones? have two. Well, they
2: are amazing Maisie. Okay, and biggest Blame fool. Wow, wrong,
3: wrong, wrong. Okay, okay.
2: <laughs> so I chose amazing Maisie because I just think it's a, such a fun number. She freaking comes in on that swing in the original production, like yeah. Evelyn Nesbit. And she lowers herself down onto the stage. I'm also just obsessed with the character of Maisie. She is a gay man's dream. I was talking to Amanda before we started recording this episode. I think it would be so much fun if Maisie was played by a drag queen. If she was like six four out of drag, and then with heels on and the wig, she's like seven feet tall, standing over like a five foot one Kristen Chenoweth-esque Maisie.
3: I can totally see it. It'd be you mean it'd be it'd be over, hysterical. Uh, Kristen Chenoweth Gertrude.
2: Did I say Maisie? You sure again? did. Over a 5'1 Kristen with sized Gertrude.
3: Wow, that'd be so great.
2: It'd be hysterical.
3: Okay, my three. Look at me.
2: I'm looking at you. You're
3: lying! I'm <laughs> gonna make you stare at me this entire time. Thank you. That's what I want to say. My first... Nope, now I'm nervous. <laughs> I can't wait to edit this. Go. Are you gonna blink?
2: <laughs> no.
3: And as for the podcast, ooh, that podcast. Okay. (laughs) My first is Having a Hunch. Don't give me that face. Anyway.
2: What?
3: (laughs) Having a Hunch is so fun. Next. Okay, but I have to say that it's because when I was in it the second time around, they used flashlights, and it was so cool. It was just a very cool number. Um, My second, Monkey Around. And it's like literally a minute and 20 seconds or something like that. It's just so fun. The Wickershams have so much fun. (laughs) They just like. The who? The Wickersham Brothers.
2: The Wickersham.
3: That's not what I said. How you just said that. (laughs) (laughs) I hate you. And my third is, of course, The Case of the People versus Horton the Elephant.
2: It's the best song in the show.
3: Okay, so I feel like we're done that category. (laughs) (laughs) Done.
2: All right. Let's lay on some acting nominees.
3: Edwina. Edwina Spoonapple Acting Award. My three. I only have two, so you go.
2: You as Gertrude.
3: Oh, my God. I was going to say, if you don't say me, we're done.
2: <laughs> you were great. And it was like, Thanks. so this was the show. We'll talk about this more, obviously, in the in our personal segment. But this was the first time i think i'd ever seen you perform like really i maybe saw you in some shows when we were like younger like middle middle school school. maybe i went to go see you in like something at one of our local community theaters but we did we performed nonstop together in high school and then i went away to college for a few months and then i came back we did a musical we we always did a musical in february when we were in high school but this was in
3: this was in november we changed it up that year right senior year right it was the right. day of our big Allstate auditions, if anybody knows what Allstate is. I didn't know that. That was the worst.
2: The day you opened or the day that I saw you was Allstate?
3: It was, I don't know. It was. I think, this, I, it was I, think this,
2: I came to see you on a Friday.
3: I don't know what day you came to see me. I'm saying that we performed the I think it was a Friday. Allstate auditions. Okay, but I so, just
2: remember being so excited. I sat in the front row. I was so excited to see a show in my high school auditorium for the first time yeah. in five years. It was wonderful. My other two nominees are Kevin Chamberlain and Janice Lamana because they, I'll talk about this more, they are the glue that holds the show together. If you have a really great Gertrude and a really great Horton, they can make the show work.
3: Yeah. I only have two. Great. One of them is Janice Lamana. She, Uh, and I looked up her career after, she's done a couple things, but she really hasn't done much, which really bums me out because... She's spectacular in the show. She's l- so lovely. So lovely. She played on uh, Janet Vannegraaf in Drowsy, though. That's one of her roles. Which I think Did, she, was
2: she a replacement?
3: Yeah. I think she'd be... I that totally makes sense. See that. I
2: think she'd be great. Yeah. yeah.
3: She is just so cute. Also, I don't. you've never sung All For You, probably, in your life. mm But it is not an easy song.
2: <laughs> no, some of... Well, first of all, I think Aaron Flaherty music can be pretty challenging sometimes.
3: Yeah.
2: And I also think with the... character, With the characterization of the vocals of the character,
3: mm. it
2: kind of creates some hurdles for yourself as a performer. Yeah. Because her voice has to be so small and sometimes let herself out so big.
3: Yeah, and All For You is that There's big a lot of, reveal of who she is. Yeah, Exactly. And, but it just keeps stepping up and up and you got to stay in that mixy-belty space. And it is just... Like, I was doing it in the car today, and I was like, how did I do this in high school?
2: <laughs> there mm. are so many things that you did in high school that you're like, how did I do this?
3: Straight up, I wish I could go back to 10 years ago. <laughs> it was so good.
2: Singing coloratura high E's.
3: Yeah. I, I never sang an E in Phantom, let me just say. I stopped at a D and was like, I'm going to change the other notes. Bye.
2: Did you not sing the final note of notes? One more. I don't more. think I did. I
3: never sang an E. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to screech it. I knew it wouldn't sound good.
2: But you sang a D in the... I did, uh, in, the opening,
3: in the opening. What's
2: that called? What's that called when a soprano does that? A cadenza. I wanted to call it a catessa, but that's like the barefoot catessa, and I knew that was wrong.
3: <laughs> I think you should just go with it. Okay, I have to say my second acting award.
2: All right, go for it, go for it. And this
3: is unfortunately someone that not everybody will know, but if you're from New Hampshire, you sure know him. Daniel Schwartzberg <laughs> as the cat in the hat. Like if you're listening to this now, um, if you're listening to this and you don't know who it is, you're gonna know who he is in ten years, because he's so. Fantastic. Without a doubt, he's gonna be, he's gonna be slaying at the Tonys and so he's just so talented. And
2: Daniel's when, mother is a friend of the pod. Hello, Sasha, Sasha
3: who messaged me is like, "What are you doing, Suzical?" I loved it, <laughs> <laughs> but like, and I'm gonna talk about this later, but. The Cat in the Hat is one of my favorite characters in the show because you just get to do so much, and it's like a real acting challenge because you have to do so much. And Daniel was flawless, flawless. That being I'm so said, I'm still bummed
2: that I didn't see. So the second time Amanda did this show, I had so many friends who did it with her. One of my really great friends, Chelsea, my friend Laura. And so it many. It was a company. Really...
3: It was a company that Sam worked at the next year.
2: I later worked for them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I was so bummed that I couldn't go see it. And I still to this day am I just I hate that I never got a chance to go see it.
3: It was really it was like surprisingly good. The <laughs> like I'm not gonna lie, the um the process wasn't great, but the outcome was
2: well, you had new people that were working at a company that they hadn't worked at in a long we time. We were all
3: basically new, yeah. It was completely... New well, I mean the,
2: the people who helmed the production as well. Oh,
3: yeah. Yeah. Hadn't
2: was... worked for that company for a long time.
3: But anyways, I feel like our Dwyna Spoon Apple actor should probably go to Janice Lamana because we both agreed on her.
2: I would say so, yeah. Okay. She really is a, a, a huge standout in the show. Yeah. I do want to give an honorable mention to David Shiner. Okay. He originated the role of the cat. And had to get booted because Rosie wanted to step in. And the producers needed Rosie to step in to help try to save the show. If you think about that, she probably bought the show another
3: yeah, couple
2: months of their run. Yeah. You have to think about that. When, when a celebrity steps into a show yeah. and they do so successfully, monetarily successfully, they are adding years to the shelf life of that show.
3: Yeah, like, well, I don't remember her last name, but Rebecca, who stepped in as Marilyn Monroe... Um, Rebecca,
2: shell. Rebecca Black.
3: Nope, that's not her, name. her. That's not her. Yep, yeah,
2: she started singing that song Friday, and then that, no. that Marilyn show happened, and she just said, "I that have Maryland to do it." Marilyn
3: show. Do you have another honorable mention, or is
2: that it? <laughs> I don't. Just David Shiner.
3: Okay, my only honorable mention is anybody who plays Bird Girls.
2: <laughs> Troopers.
3: It's just like last week we talked about um, Little Shop. And it's just, like, how much I love the, what are they called? Orphans?
2: Urchins?
3: <laughs> Urchins! <laughs> Anyways, it's, like, how much I love...
2: Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Mushnick's, like, why don't, he's like, why don't you get yourselves off the street? And one of them just is, like, Maybe far <laughs> away, or maybe real nearby. I'm pretty
3: sure that's what the role is.
2: Like Mushnick just delivers. She's like, Miss the wind? you're from, Skid Row? Ain't no such thing. The sun will come out tomorrow. Oh. And the other two have bowl, wooden bowls like, Is it worth the waiting for if we live till 84? Food, so glorious food. <laughs> wow. Wow. What was I
3: saying? Oh, this God.
2: In? Orphans.
3: So the urchins. The girls who played the bird girl. Yeah, it's similar. Like, the way I feel about the Urchins is how I feel about the Bird Girls. Like,
2: I love... harmony. They have to be I'll a strong love a unit. good trio.
3: You know I do.
2: Well, the other thing, too, is that, like, I feel like normally when you are a musical theater performer, you have to either be a strong singer-actor or a strong... Like, obviously, the trifecta, being a triple threat, is, like, the goal. You want to be... A good mover, a good singer, a good actor. But I feel like commonly what happens is you're a strong actor-singer or you're a strong actor-dancer. And the bird girls have to sing in tight three-part harmony the whole time and absolutely dance their faces off. So they have to be a strong singer-dancer. Yeah. Yeah. Which I feel like isn't as common as having a dancer-actor or a singer-actor. You know what I mean? For sure. They're the least common of the... If you only have two, being a, a dancer-singer, I feel, is the least common.
3: I feel like I'm a singer-dancer, but I understand what you're saying.
2: Really at heart.
3: No, really at my feet. Um, Who wins the show for you? Sam?
2: I kind of said it already, but if, if you have a strong Gertrude and Horton, they can really be the glue that holds the show together. So for me... The winner is a strong Horton-Gertrude duo. It's not often that a romantic couple is the thing that holds the show together. I often find that usually a show is trying to have some sort of plot point. So they'll throw in like a romance to try to make the show work. Mm -hmm. But there's something about the charming kind of innocence and endearing qualities that Gertrude and Horton have that make the show work for me, and I don't think that that's always so common.
3: I have to say, this is jumping a little ahead, but all, so I was Gertrude my senior year of high school, and I'd never had a real stage kiss, and all I wanted was a stage uh, kiss.
2: Lest we forget our Grease stage kiss, but we never—not our Grease stage kiss.
3: <laughs> what if you and I have never had a stage kiss, and I just don't Mm-mm. think we ever would.
2: I don't plan on it.
3: No. I mean, I don't plan on being famous like you. So...
2: I don't plan on being famous.
3: I do. I plan on you being famous. So does my mom. (laughs) Anyways. Oh, so I just kept begging our director. I was like, can we just kiss at the end? And he's like, no. It's not that kind of show.
2: (laughs) Wasn't it Kyle?
3: It sure was. We'll talk about that after. Okay. Okay. My Who Wins is any actor who gets the opportunity to play the cat in the hat. You
2: because really love that role. I
3: really do. Well, David Schreiner, did you know he was a clown? He was a professional clown. I did. Like, yes. that was his job. So, like, I feel like it's just such a cool character for people to play.
2: Well, he definitely brought that into the character. If you think about Andrea Martin playing the part or Eric oh, right. Idle playing the part,
3: it's so different. it doesn't
2: really have that quality to it. Absolutely.
3: When I was in high school, our Cat in the Hat was very like she was she was a dancer first. She was very physical and that's like what really sold the Cat in the Hat. And I just was thought she was bad. So, so cool. She was great. No. I found her very she,
2: entertaining to watch.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I thought it was really cool for her to play that role cuz it was very different. So, I just like the Cat in the Hat. I think it's just such a different kind of role. All right, let's talk about my life and how I lived Seuss Lay it on me. Are you ready? Are you ready? I have many bullet points. Not many. I think the reason Seuss means so much to me, though, is because, one, it was my first ingenue role. I had never played that kind of character before. And Gertrude, obviously, is not a typical ingenue, but that's what she is. And it was my first professional role the one like the first it was show, the first show absolutely I that you actually got a paycheck in. for her. yeah absolutely. i mean granted it wasn't Gertrude it was mrs mayor but no. i played the hell out of mrs mayor
2: the only thing i heard about from my friends who went to go see this production was that the highlight of the show was amanda being a completely intoxicated mrs mayor
3: totally that was the highlight forgot about that
2: that you played because... her as a drunk
3: I completely Is that forgot. what you forgot about? Yep. <laughs> did you really? Well, because when I was going through memories, that is not what came to mind. But uh, you No, know,
2: all of my friends who yeah. saw the show, they were like, Oh my god, did you see Susan Collade? I was like, No, I'm bummed. They were like, Oh, everything was so good. Also, Amanda. That's what they had to say. They're like, also, Amanda is a complete lunatic and played because Mrs. Mayor as a full I hated full alcoholic. My
3: role. I hated my track, I hated my <laughs> life Like I really did I had to deal with all the kids who were the who's The guy who played the uh, Mr. Mayor Was not a professional He was an amateur, like a high schooler Who they were like, we need extra actors So they pulled him in And like I was just constantly like A mom And I was annoyed And then the director was like Do you want to do this scene drunk? And I was like, please Because I just didn't give a shit I was like, yeah So that was great um let's go back to high school okay great so i played gertrude one of the really cool things was i got to play ukulele for um this was my idea too the um what's that song called?
2: one feather tail thank Miss you gertrude. one feather tail pause.
3: um so i sat on the edge of the stage in front of the pit while i played my ukulele and every night i got the note from our conductor um amanda can you make sure that your uh, legs are closed during that song please Because I sat right in the front of the conductor, who was our, like, 60-year-old band teacher, with my legs spread as an eagle, (laughs) in a dress. (laughs) And every night, he's like, can you please close your legs?
2: It was, like, a low dress, though. No. It was, like, a, it was short?
3: It was, like, knee, knee length. Are you sure? I'm sure, because I got that note every night. I was there. And even if it wasn't, maybe when I sat, it rode up. Oh, maybe. But all I remember is I and this is just who I am. I just sit like a man. I just find it way more comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> so that's number that's number two. Another thing I loved about our high school production is our Horton. Okay, when you think of a Horton, you think of like a large man timid, like, cute as a button. Our Horton was like a six four skinny dude. The opposite of what you would expect for a guy playing an elephant. And it was wonderful. I loved it. He was it. great.
2: And your chemistry was great. The two of you were like lifelong friends.
3: Yeah, we were really good friends. But I thought that was cute.
2: It was. Um, I remember I I have very fond memories of, of seeing you do that show. It was very touching to go back and see a show at my high school and to see you. I helmed the entire production. Yeah, and you I brought, brought your friends college from college. Friends. <laughs> exactly.
3: Who later became good friends of mine.
2: Exactly. Full circle.
3: Wild. Wild. Isn't it? We've been through a lot.
2: We have. And even in a show that we didn't do together, we still have connections together.
3: Right. right. Through it. So that was high school. Final I'm thoughts,
2: on. Amanda. What do you? No, nope, oh. I'm
3: not. I'm not done. Great. I had two things. I for thought her. you were done. No, girl. I got two things for the time I played Mrs. Mayor. Number one was when, so Meredith Ibe, who maybe featured at some point or another on the Buzz Broadway world, her and I were obsessed with the song Having a Hunch. So on the very last show, we stole flashlights and appeared in that final number. We, like, snuck on and just so like, <laughs>
2: I didn't know that.
3: It's, it, it's such a fun song because the people would just like pop out of the set and be like, you're having, you're having a hunch. And we wanted to participate so badly because we were not featured dancers. I don't know why. We're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but we were not featured dancers. So we were like, we're going to be in the song. And we did. Actually, that's it. I don't really need to talk about the last thing. I just want to No, say, say it. The two times I was in this show, they cast Yertle the Turtle in the strangest way. So the first time, did you know Brandon Morris? No. Sassy, sassy gay man who was just like throwing his gavel around like. "Mm." Anyways, so yeah, so he played the first one and then the second one. I love him so much. Matt Alfano, do you remember him? He played drums for us in Spelling Bee. You probably don't, because we didn't really. But they, so my first year at Dairyfield Repertory Theater, they just didn't have enough actors, so they roped people in from the high school. And Matt Alfano was one of them, and they're like, you're playing the general and also you're little turtle. And he... There's a scene where he's like, I didn't hear no voices, and you... Didn't I remember either. you talking about this? And for some reason,
2: <laughs> he like never knew <laughs> the <laughs> lyrics, such a right?
3: Simple lyric.
2: And what are the lyrics? What are the lyrics? I didn't
3: hear no voices or something like that, and you didn't either. But it was I
2: And he was always be like, hear you know, any
3: voices from the speck of And <laughs> I also did nah. not.
2: <laughs> One of our very good friends, Chelsea, loves to do impressions of other people that she knows. <laughs> And she would always come up to me and be like, I did not hear any of the speck of dust and voices, and you also did not hear them either.
3: And, like, I just need to point out, not that Matt Alfano was listening to this podcast, because he's not. Matt, I (laughs) loved him, though. Because also, so the guy who played Mr. Mayor was, like, his best friend, so the three of us would chill backstage, and I'm, like, this old college lady, and they're in high school. But they were so fun. And I would just make fun of him all the time. Anyways, your to the Turtle also has a special place near and dear to my heart.
2: I love that for you.
3: Thank you so much, Sam. I think you and I should be in the show together. I know you think you'd be a great Horton, But you secretly
2: want think... me to play Mr. Mayor so that you can play Mrs. Mayor.
3: I secretly think, can you imagine us as <laughs> the Mayors? Come on.
2: I do think I will... Um... A grandfather into the role of Mr. Mayor quite yeah, well. Yeah, for sure. Color in this mustache. We
3: would be, we would be amazing. Unstoppable. We would have the best. When condition. I get
2: my offer for the Broadway revival of Susicle in 2045, I'll be like, I will when do it will on one. the condition that my high school best friend, Amanda <laughs> Harrington, famed Broadway attorney.
3: What, you think I'm gonna be a party? Do you know claim, anything about
2: famed, my program? Famed, no wait, I can do this. Famed education president of uh of Roundabout Theater Company. They're a nonprofit.
3: Okay, that was so close, but yeah. You want to be? You want to
2: be? be that you want to helm the education department of a theater?
3: Yeah, but you can't be the famed education program. The educational director.
2: Was it, should, I, should I have said director?
3: I don't know what you said, actually, I said president. So being
2: honest. <laughs> education <laughs> president.
3: <laughs> okay. Sam. Amanda. I know you weren't in the show, but... What do you have to say if we were to leave our audience of 25 people with who have listened to the whole way through... <laughs> Listen, if you're listening, we know how long you listen.
2: (laughs) We can tell. So even if you turn the volume all the way down and play it to the end of the episode, just make our egos feel better, okay?
3: Literally, if you turn it off after 18 minutes and 35 seconds,
2: Defriended. Also, if you listen to the very end of our podcast, each episode we have a little Easter egg that we leave at the very, very end after the final credits. So stick around. So ultimately, at the end of the day, I have to go back to what MTI says about the show. The powers of friendship, loyalty, family, and community are challenged and emerge triumphant. That's what the core of the show is about, is about community and friendship. And I think that that is evident in all of Dr. Seuss's work. In every single book that he writes, there's always an element of compassion and the idea that if you're a compassionate person or if you welcome compassion into your life, you can be happy and you can succeed. If you look at the Grinch, if you look at the Lorax, if you look at all the things you can think. Do you know what I'm saying? His stories really stem from a place of caring for one another.
3: A hundred percent. And like, all the things you could think is such a common graduation gift. Like, it's not Mm. just a child thing to say. It's for all ages.
2: Agreed. Absolutely.
3: I... I just, like, being a lover of education and wanting to teach the youth theater, I just think this is such a good show for middle and high school. I think it teaches so much, and the morals in the show are amazing.
2: Absolutely. Amazing.
3: To quote my margarita, anything is possible. (coughs)
2: That took me a second. I was not 100% there with you. I was like, what the hell? To quote who's Margarita? But now I understand what you're saying.
3: I get it. And on that note. I do. Let us bid our listeners adieu.
2: It's been a great episode. If you like what you hear here on Buzz Broadway, feel free to subscribe. Check back in. Follow us on Instagram. Do what you gotta do. We are going to be here next week talking about another great musical. Amanda, thank you. For sharing this night with me.
3: Sam, thank you for listening to all my personal stories of this show.
2: I love it. I loved it. Getting to take a little break from talking, even though I probably talked a lot.
3: How much of your Paloma do you have left? This much. You are so weak.
2: That's like two drinks. This is like a three cocktail drink.
3: That's like two drinks. Anyways, goodbye, everybody. We love you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Come back next time.
2: If you like what you heard on today's episode, be sure to leave us a rating and review. Want to support Buzzed Broadway? Head to anchor.fm to learn more. If you need more Buzz Broadway shenanigans in your life, follow us on Instagram at, at BuzzBroadway Buzz Broadway is conceived and hosted by Amanda Harrington and Sam St. Jean, editing by Amanda Harrington, original music by Carl Pariso with musical arrangements by Patrick Doro. As always, thank you to our sponsors, to Anchor, and to you, our listeners. See you next time. Your editing work is going to be so much more difficult for this episode because I'm getting drunk.
3: I can't fucking wait.